I like to joke about the man box, which is like you can only be a man if you fulfill these certain qualities and you stay within this mm-hmm. this square of like you're in your man box and you're safe in the man box. And something about for some men about going near feminism is is a step out of the man box. The most important thing any white feminist can do is educate herself and listen and engage with the experiences of women of color without silencing them. Because sometimes as white ladies, we just have to shut the fuck up. I hate Katy Perry. I hate Natalie Portman. Stop fighting with it's me. It's relaxed. Stop fighting with me. Stop fighting. All right. Okay. I'm not fighting. <laughs> Part of feminism is the freedom to let other women make choices you don't necessarily understand. So while you may not want to walk out with like tape like X's on your nipples and booty shorts, that may be the strong feminist choice for another woman. And even if you can't imagine yourself in her shoes, part of your job as a feminist is just to support her. Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Stringer. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt's been showing off his new medal he won in curling. It's West Hollywood curling. Not exactly like the curling you've been watching at the Olympics, except for the screaming and the broom handles. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, curling is on right now. It's, um, it's always on, isn't it? Yeah, is it a popular, I guess because of the, the rocks, it looks good on TV, sort of, you know? It is visually kind of stunning, but... It's just shuffleboard, right? I mean, it's just shuffleboard on ice. I yeah. It's a, here's the thing. Well, it's kind of like they try to invent the best. So first of all, they had the Wisconsin couple, the Hamiltons, the, the Matt and, and Becca Hamilton. They were trying to really play up as America's hope in curling. Mm-hmm. The, this brother and sister looked like they could also be husband and wife, potentially, from Wisconsin. Fat guy with a mustache. And then they just lost every match. <laughs> and there was, like, there was no rooting interest whatsoever. It's just shuffleboard, right, on ice. Yeah. And the whole Winter Olympics to me is sports you would never, ever watch, except at the Olympics. Would you ever stop to watch a curling match? To no. watch a, a shuffleboard match? No. I, I mean, I would play it. I think it, it Sober? Looks, would you play it sober? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd probably fall down. I mean, any sport where you're on wearing shoes on the ice, there's something like it's, it wasn't well thought out, <laughs> no. it seems like. They always have histories in Canada. All these sports have a deep history in Canada. Which reminds me that they're not real. They're not real sports. Brian and I were talking about this before the show. The Winter Olympics is just a white, excuse for white people to win medals in sports. They've taken all their power, speed, and, and, and agility out of the sports, basically. Yeah, and just gone to straight finesse. Every sport is straight finesse now. Yeah, so northern I, northern Europeans can northern Europeans can win something. I was trying to think of what what percentage of the world's population lives like in the snow and ice. Um, is it maybe like twenty percent? So uh, I'm just saying, like, why should we have? Why should they have their own Olympics? You know what I mean? Well, I think they. I mean, the winter sports have always been. They've always had winter sports, and they used to have them the same year as the summer Olympics, and nobody cared about the winter Olympics. Then, like 25 years ago, they split off into a separate year, mm. and then you know NBC came in with their big TV contracts and tried to turn it into something. But it's still got to be a very limited audience for this for this type of crap. I don't really quite understand it. Uh, there are a lot of people that do these sports, but again, they're not 
clearly not money making sports because you never heard of any of these sports. Yeah, it's it's definitely an excuse to just kind of level the playing field. I mean, how many people can even get good at skiing? You need lift tickets, skis. Oh, what about like these uh, luge? How many people have a luge track available? (laughs) I mean, you were you were raised in Alaska. How many luge tracks were there in Alaska? A lot of guys luging on the weekends. No, I'm. (laughs) (laughs) It's. I don't even know when luge. I, I think luge was invented like in a think tank or something. <laughs> I, I don't think luge has a cultural history. To the best it. part about luge and some of these sports, I have to say, from my own perspective, is that like older fat guys can win the events. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're basically guys with beer bellies going down the track and winning, which is kind of cool because it is by far the most relatable sport to like middle aged white men yeah. ever. <laughs> like I watch basketball and I know I can never play in the NBA. But I look at Luz and go like, yeah, I could, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. That could be me. It's really, it's getting real, real casual with a lot of it. Even the snowboarders, the snowboarders are wearing like, like stuff they bought at Macy's. Yes. <laughs> Every other sport, there's like they they wear tights and and whatever would help with the performance. These guys are going full just style over functionality. Yeah, because it's all these it, are all style sports. These aren't power sports. These are all. I mean, you're getting style points. Even like in the ski jumping, they're giving style points. Like, why do you need style points? It's not a sport if you're getting style points. That should be part of the game style. Like in the NBA, you don't get extra points for like doing a really cool shot. You still get two points. Yeah, I, I think we should get rid of all the sports that are such as figure skating. Like anything that's just where the judges award the 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 winner. I, that's it's not a sport. It's a con- it's not. If there's no one defending you, if there's no one on defense, it's not a sport. That's my theory. Yeah, golf is the same way. Darts, whatever. So you're saying if you had someone like shooting paintballs at the figure skater? Or yes. They, well, my idea in the snow, like in the in the half pipe, two ska- two two riders at one time, and you can hit the other person. <laughs> That's a sport, right? There's a defender. There's someone actually trying to affect your competi- trying to affect your run. That would be awesome. But if it's just if it's just you, can I do a trick? It's just a trick. It's just a it's a competition, which to me is for women. Women do competitions. Men do sports. Like women do style things, and men do power things. That's yeah, if you want my sex, that's just my sex. If you want to like <laughs> open for the hockey game with your with your baton dance, like that's fine. <laughs> yes, but I don't think it should be a sport. Can we have Brian chime in on women's hockey for a moment? Are you watching women's hockey, Brian? I, I have not, unfortunately. <laughs> They're just. I mean, here's the thing. I heard USA got two goals in six seconds to take a three nothing lead against. Um, not Russia, but Russia. They, what do they call them? The Olympic like the athletes Russian of Russia. Russia. Non, non, non-doped OAR. athletes of Russia. Right. Everyone's doped as far as I can tell. Yeah. But here's the thing. Obviously, women's hockey is not a big thing because you never, ever hear about it except for once every four years for two weeks. Yeah. It's not even the WNBA. They couldn't even find a professional league to fake for women's hockey. <laughs> so I think it's cool that women are playing hockey. If I was a woman, I guess I'd want to play hockey. But let's not pretend, let's not pretend here, Brian. Yeah. Stop with your chick hockey. How many women play <laughs> ice hockey? Do they get field hockey players and teach them how to skate? I don't know if there's a much crossover there. It's a totally different stick that they use. So. What? Yeah. Is it like enhanced? I think you're not allowed to be left-handed on field hockey. It's it's a, it's a very different look, almost like a cricket bat, but with a curve on the end or something. Do, do colleges have women's Where? hockey teams? They have field hockey. Field uh, hockey. I think they might have some... Uh, ice hockey? Ice, uh, if you go... I'm not saying I'm not something. saying you shouldn't be allowed to play the sport. I'm just saying we shouldn't pretend it's a real sport. That's, I mean, I, the WNBA is sort of the, the ultimate of that. But right. at least those, at least those chicks are significant athletes, you know, for their sport. But you know, come on, now they're just making up shit. 
Uh, speaking of curling, this week's show, Last Man on Earth podcast, is sponsored by those very same Winter Olympics. Take a bunch of games invented by super white Northern Europeans, replace with power with finesse, and you have the world's least interesting sports made slightly better when put on ice. The Winter Olympics, you're only watching by accident. Uh, do you remember motorcycles on ice? No. You've never seen motorcycles on ice? Back in the old days, in ESPN covered like obscure sports because they had no real sports contracts. They would just go around the world to cover like shit they can get for free. And I think it was in Finland or somewhere in northern, northern Europe, they had motorcycles racing on ice. Motorcycles with spikes in their tires and race on ice. Wow. That was awesome. Because you can imagine what happens when you fall. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like... I mean, for the motorcycles, it's like a snowmobile. You know, they do snowmobile racing. I think, I think that's the next game thing, snowmobile racing. But uh, these are motor- legitimate motorcycles with fixed tires, with spikes, you know, with, tire spi- with uh, snow spikes on them going around a track. Like European rednecks. Yes. Yes, rednecks and ice. A lot of people don't know because every now and then when I was in Alaska in the summer, some guy thought he was going to be really cool and ride his snow, uh, snowmobile across a body of water. And um, yeah, takes, I don't know anything about this, but it sounds like a horrible idea. Well, it doesn't take any skill. All you have to do is keep laying on the throttle because the track will just go across the water. It's it looks difficult, but it's it's not an accomplishment um, unless you take your hand off the throttle. Then then it sinks and you, you, sink. you lose the machine. But uh, um, isn't snowmo isn't snowmobiling like one of the leading causes of death among teenagers in Alaska? Oh, I would yeah. guess. It's so dangerous. I mean, those things go so fast. There's no need for a, a thing like that to go 90 miles an hour. And then there's, you know, you're in the snow, which conceals things such as signposts, right. large rocks, uh, garbage cans. And and you're largely intoxicated. Probably. And you might be carrying a weapon. <laughs> you're probably carrying a weapon. I just saw a new thing on, it must have been ESPN, they're, they're snowmobiles, but they're, they're like motorcycles. They're like a very narrow track, so I don't see the need for this invention. Are they racing them for like X Games? Has yeah, they were racing. Shit? It was X. Yeah, X Games is what yeah, it was. Yeah, because what happened was with the they were using the old snowmobiles, but they would drop them. You know, when you race them with jump, they would fall on your leg and crack your leg because mm. they were so heavy. Snowmobiles are really. I, I've never ridden a snowmobile, but I know they're really heavy. Yeah, and so a lot of injuries on snowmobiles are broken legs because the thing rolls over on your leg and just basically crushes your leg. So these are like half the weight of the real snowmobile, so they don't crack people's legs all the time. Oh, that makes sense. But yeah. as far as I can tell, these sports, like even half pipe, which seems really cool, there's only like 15 guys in the world that do it because there's no real money in it. And there's like you have to have a half, who has a half, a half mile long half pipe in their backyard. Yeah. So you have to go to Lake Placid or Utah to do this. And a lot of it is just being insane. It's like we took Evil Knievel <laughs> and, and we're, we're like... Uh, well, he didn't win any Olympic medals, but yeah, like just fire yourself on a rocket across uh, Snake River Canyon, and there you'll win a medal for that. You know, well, what I mean? most like, of them were like. I, my understanding is most of these guys were skateboarders who got discovered like at twelve, and the U.S. Olympic team would go like, "Hey, you're a great skateboarder. How about we move to Lake Placid and you do that on ice for the next five years?" And they're like, "Okay," and yeah, then they get sponsored cool. by somebody. But there's not like it's like kids in high school around the country are doing this shit, and the best of the only the best of the best make it. Do they drug test? Uh, I know they test for uh, performance-enhancing drugs, but do they test for marijuana in the Olympics? Uh, God, I hope not. I would. There's no way you could do that without being fucking baked. You'd have to be baked. 
Yeah, that would, they would lose most of their team, right? Yeah. Although the Korea uh, is Korea one of those countries where they kill you for having marijuana? I don't remember. I don't know. I, this is, you don't do good Sounds plausible. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter, Last Man Podcast, or Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on the show. Uh, Matt, let's delve into the word uh, nigger. Mm. Uh, that was common around uh, you growing up, I think. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was not, actually. I actually don't think I ever heard the word. Uh, you have, have you heard the word used in public before? Like between two people just randomly? Well, black people. No, but I mean a, like a white guy calling a black guy a, a nigger. Uh, have you heard that before in public? No. Uh, yeah, once uh, in a basketball uh, a basketball game. And uh, it ended in a fight. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> well, you can't say it legitimately without anticipating there's going to be a physical altercation at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so extreme. People do it like, it's the kind of thing, like, I think when white people do say it, they say it only among other white people as racial slurs. You really have to be looking to get your ass kicked really I, hard. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it, obviously it happens, but I've never, I will get people that kind of assume I'm a racist sometimes. And so they'll kind of like uh, size me up after we talked uh, small talk for a minute. And then they'll say something kind of racist, like, yeah, they kind of, Blacks are moving into the neighborhood, and that's not cool. And I'm like, all right, well, I think I'm done with this conversation. But uh, is that how they bait you? Is that how they bait you, like uh, really pale people, into uh, joining the cause? Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it starts out. I'm, I'm assuming it escalates pretty quickly once you take the bait. But uh, but isn't it more common that guys saddle up next to you and go like, "Oh, girls are so gross." <laughs> it's, not, it's not the club they're usually trying to get you into oh man the gay, the gay is like oh girls what a trouble they're really a bother right oh god i wish i wish you just could have sex without girls they're such a pain they're such a pain yes all right so at princeton well it, uh, i just checked the number one it's college institution ranked by whatever the fuck whoever ranks them this year Princeton's not a uh, chump it's not a chump college or university it's a it's an old 300-year-old old the uh, Ivy League place. It's supposed to be the leading education institution in the entire country. Uh, so the girl named Destiny Salter this week. And this is, this is amazing as no one points out the uh, irony of this. She attended a class. She's a, a, she, identifies, uh, she identifies as black, just so you know. So do I. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I don't mind the fact that like, college kids say stupid shit like I identify as this or that. But the fact that the news reporters, report, the journals reporting on this now use the term identifies as black or identifies as Muslim or identifies as Jewish just seems fucking idiotic. Like the, the adults have now bought into the childish language. It's insane. And, uh, you know, I, I don't get why. I mean, if I was, you know, 10 years younger, I would have uh, I'd be in the WNBA right now. I would identify ju- as a woman. I would just identify as a woman. Now, I'm sure they'd find a way to make that not fly, but I don't know what it would be. Point being, no one really believes this shit. No. No, no one thinks that Rachel Dolezal was black. Well, that, it's funny you brought up her name, Rachel Dolezal, because the last person I remember to ever say in, out loud that they identified as black was Rachel Dolezal, who was a white chick from Idaho. <laughs> who, I mean, it's, when you say I identify as black, it's like basically saying, or identify as a woman. It's basically telling people, it's not what you think. It's actually this. So you're actually kind of saying, like, I know I don't seem this way, but I am actually a black. Yeah. Which is odd for a black person to say. And I don't think, I, it's just my mind, I can't picture, like, Dr. King saying, like, I identify as black. Like, it just seems like something so inane that he would just call it out right away as idiotic. So I feel like even, like, our, our, our minority activists have fallen a far ways away from their, their parents and grandparents who kind of knew what they were talking about. 
So this chick, Destiny Salter, was in this class called uh, the Limitations of Hate Speech and something else. It's a, it's a 70-year-old professor at Princeton, Lawrence Rosen, teaches class on, like, he's a legal scholar. So he teaches what, what sounds to me like a really interesting class, by the way, which is the limitations of free speech in the world of hate speech, which is kind of like basically what can you and can you not get away with saying what is protected by the Constitution and what qualifies hate speech because this seems ex- excessively timely right now on a college campus because, you know, while there is so much hate speech, there's a lot of hate, you know, quote-unquote racial slurs and hate speech in our country, and there is a lot of uh, uh, crimes now called hate crimes, there also is the First Amendment protections to kind of say what you want. Yeah. And so we're at a real crossroads in this country. This class itself seems more relevant now than ever before. Like, what are you allowed to tell people they can't say or can say? Um, and she joined this class, and of course in the class he starts l- listing out racial slurs. <laughs> So he starts saying nigger and kike and other things like that because uh, you can't teach about the, the power of these words or the legality of these words without saying the words. And right. You would think it would come up in a class about hate speech that some offensive terminology would come up right away. Yes. In fact, the thing that upset Destiny Salter, the student, was his, his uh, example that he was talking about in class was what is more, you know, what, what, what would you find more disturbing a white man going up to a black man and punching him in the face or a white man going up to a black man and calling him a nigger to his face. And that was, you know, it was a hyp- hypothetical he, he posed to the class. And that's when she got really, she got really upset. Well, then she shouldn't be in the class. She <laughs> obviously can't handle the class. No. I mean, the, the one, and she left, she walked out. She, she and like two other black students at the school walked out saying how they d- couldn't believe that the professor was using, uh, was saying nigger instead of saying N-word at least. And how also they asked him, are you going to be saying this word in class? And he's like, I'm going to be saying that word whenever I need to, to teach this course. And they walked out saying, we didn't expect to. She said, she said quote, I didn't come to Princeton to hear, you know, uh, the word nigger. I'm like, well, in a class on hate speech. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are, we're a step away from, what, what is a med student going to be like? Uh, the guy showed me his dick. Like, well, yeah, it's a patient. Um, of yours i mean you got to know what testicular cancer is like so she's like triggered by the very subject of the class that she voluntarily signed up to take yes i guarantee that was not a mandatory class and i am also wondering now if perhaps she is a uh she has a what you might call a black activist background she's involved in some other other coordinate you know stuff on campus for black students mm-hmm. i'm wondering now if they just went if she went and a couple other people went to the class Wait till the professor said, which, by the way, this class, he's been teaching it for 40 years. This is not like a new thing. It's not some young guy comes in and starts like, doesn't know the rules. This guy's been teaching this class forever. So I'm guessing maybe they went to, as a setup and went in until he started saying, you know, racial slurs and then walked out. So the reporters were there. They could talk about how they were, you know, there's a, there's a guy, professor at Princeton, it says nigger in class. And of course, it's a huge headline. Yeah. And then her walking out and, and you know, acting like she's an oppressed, like is oppressed. And. By the way, I, I feel some of what she said made sense to me, which is that like, look, this, this, when you say this word, it affects the black students in class more than the white students. That's true. Uh, and there's no denying that you know, racism against black people as a minority have been worse. It's been worse against black people in this country than any other minority. I agree with all that. But you're still in a, cl- you're still in a class that you've chosen to be in, which is discussing when or when not people can say the word digger, basically, in public and, and not be arrested. Yeah, I mean, does she have any opinions 
on the actual subject matter of the class, such as what he said, his hypothetical question, for example. I don't know what else. I don't know how long she made it through, five minutes or so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, does she have any context, any, any uh, conception of the context of why he said that or what it means her point was her her point was a very uh, uh definitive like zero tolerance policy for the word which is that he shouldn't say this word he can say the word and you know and so she wants to like ban huck finn from libraries and things like that that's actually going on in the same campus actually um they, they they're saying that the word itself this is where we're at now i think in, in academia the word itself is so hate-filled that even a class on hate-filled speech, you can't say the hate-filled word. <laughs> that it's like, and, which is, I mean, this is like, and by the way, not a, not a dumb girl. This is Princeton, okay? This is not like some, some uh, chick, idiot off the street. This is a girl who probably was like the valedictorian of her high school class. Mm-hmm. Um, who was obviously smart and knows like what we're talking about in this discussion. She's not some, some naive, dumb chick who just doesn't know shit. Um, she's actually rationally, intellectually decided that the word itself is so hate-filled, it can't even be discussed in a class on hate speech. Right, which is insane. I, I wonder if her... What are her thoughts on... <laughs> we'd have to get her on the phone, although I'm sure that would be a terrible experience, but uh, can can black people say it? Could a black professor... What if the professor was black and uh, said it in front of white people or whatever? I think it's... I think it's you know, I don't. I obviously, I don't think they'd have a problem with that. You don't see protests for that, and this might have been a setup. It just to me, like this is like the last, like a liberal arts college, especially a very liberal liberal arts college, is the last bastion in America where you're supposed to be able to say anything you want, and like everyone's supposed to be open minded and say shit. This is like the hippie tradition of education. We're like we're not scared of any ideas. We're not scared of any words. We don't want the man censoring us. Yeah. We don't want old white guy telling us what we can and can't say. So we're going to discuss the fact that, you know, there's a lot of racism, racism in this country and that a lot of white people say the word nigger. We're going to discuss it out loud and own it and, and, and talk about it like adults. And now they're saying they can't do that. Yeah. I mean, just think of all if she had her way and, and it seems like they are sort of getting their way more and more often. You know, I mean, just think of all the all the stuff you would lose, you know, and no one's condoning it, it's idiotic because the professor wasn't condoning saying he wasn't like calling someone a nigger or saying this is something that you should say. You know, he was he was putting it in a certain context. I mean, you would lose all kinds of literature. You would lose. Say you're taking a class on film uh, and now you can't watch Birth of a Nation, which is like one of the first motion pictures uh, because it, it has that word in it. it. So I think it's Marxism, but you're. Um, it's it's an act of dumbing down of the whole intellectual process. It's a, ni- it's a 1984 where you start with euphemisms for everything. Like you're not allowed to use real words. You have to use euphemisms. Yeah. Because the real words have too much power. I mean, it really is like a... And this is, again... From, and I'm sure she has other words that she does not want said. I'm oh, yeah. I'm sure that's not the only one. For sure. And, I, and by the way, it's like the worst part is they're obviously... Obviously, I mean... As much as I think people overreact to lots of things and sensitivities and trigger words like that, obviously... There is racism in this country. It is a problem in, in certain in certain segments of society. It's a real problem in certain segments of society. But by doing this shit, you just like it's just sort of like the women with like female actresses in Hollywood equating their you know being uh, not getting the right food service on the on the set of a movie to to rape. Yeah, you're taking away from the real victims where there are real victims and real aggressors in these situations. And now you're like saying, okay, well now this college this uh, this college professor and this smart girl now fall into that category of, of racist hate speech 
So maybe you're taking away from the conversation. Just the fact that you and I are making fun of it is taking away from like whatever the fuck Mike Pence does at his, me- at his meetings after, <laughs> after hours after the church meeting is over. You know, the people putting on hoods and shit like that. You're, you're just equating, you're, like there, there's a moral equivalency for everything and everything has to be the same amount of victimization. Even shit that doesn't even belong to be victimization and you just demean the actual offensive stuff. Yeah, and and these people, these sort of neoliberal entitled fucking college kids are uh, they're they're mean spirited. They're not benevolent. So what they're trying to do is gain power to tell you what you can and can't say. And once they get that power, they will most certainly take it too far and abuse it, which they're doing now. So uh, say that people like Destiny are able to get her way ten years from now. Uh, you know, there's a list of things you can't say. Uh, you can't say, I'm a man. You have to say, I'm a cisgendered uh, person with a penis or whatever. And, and if you say, uh, yeah, I'm a male, they kick you out of school and your life is ruined. And that's not that far off. No, we're not that far. That's happening in small doses all, everywhere, basically. And it will come back to bite her. I think you're right. I think it's a power thing. And I think it's a question of, like, young people. I don't know. I don't remember when young people ever got power before. So, I mean, it was just, like, a crazy time when, like, adults are, like, kowtowing to, like, children, essentially. Children are naturally, like, petulant and demanding of shit. Yeah. And the adults are supposed to say, fuck off. <laughs> no. no. Like, yeah. when you're in charge, you know, like, what I tell my kids, when you're in charge one day, when you have your own, when you pay your own shit, you have your own house, you make their own rules, right? I'm sure your, your parents told you that, too. Like, someday when you're, in, when you're paying for shit, you make the rules. We're right. paying for shit, so we make the rules. The college, adults are supposed to say that to the students, but they're so scared. They're so fucking scared of them that they go like, okay, like that's idiotic, but we're so scared of being labeled as something. We're going to let the 19-year-old make the decision on what free speech ought to be on campus. Right. So what's happening? I mean, did the well, professor... Well, actually, uh, no, in a, bright, in a little bright spot, the department chairman person and the dean or whatever backed the professor, uh, probably because he's an esteemed professor and the, the, the case in, in question is so idiotic. <laughs> but they, you know, they, they, very, they sugarcoated it and saying like how it's an intellectual debate and all stuff like that. So... You know, they, they took her aside. They really elevated the, the you know her side, but they also said that we're not going to tell a professor and he can't say that word in class. So, if you're a dude at Princeton and you've like seen this headline and you proceed to date this woman, you are a fucking moron. Oh yeah, no, I know. And someone's going to try and fuck her. I would never, uh, I would never date an activist of any kind whatsoever. <laughs> so, although I do remember in college days, it was a great way to get laid, uh, marches and shit like that. Yeah, but that's when you had real causes well there's still real causes but no one cares about those some uh, activist girls got really horny for some reason like just marching marching made them really horny. your uh, your testosterone pump. yeah yeah i guess it's a female version of like getting your te- playing sports or something like that you get all excited all right speaking of pointless causes matt speaking of duplicitous causes or causes that have a great hashtag that seem to be empowering, but not the least bit empowering. Uh, when's the last time, by the way, you got a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? I see them on the racks, and I don't buy them anymore. No. Do you used to buy them? Uh, I had a subscription, and, and yeah, I beat off to that thing. Oh, man. Uh, is, that when you got the, is that when you got the uh, football telephone? The free football telephone? Uh, I, I think I was supposed to get that, and it never arrived. That's the only reason I ever bought Sports Illustrated was the football telephone. Dude, <laughs> I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated... Uh, that I kept going just for the swimsuit issue. I'm talking, I'm yeah. like 13, 14. You know, I, I don't want to go buy the swimsuit issue and just have that. I'd be embarrassed. But when it comes as part of the whole package, 
no one's uh, too much onto your beaten off thing. I think that uh, I think swimsuit SI swimsuit is now like ninety five percent of the revenue because they do it. I don't know if you know, they do this all year round now. Yeah. They have the one edition that comes out on you know in print every February, but they actually call, have something called SI swimsuit now, which is their their sub brand. Which, is, as far as I can tell, is the only reason people check out SI anymore. Right. So they have like thousands and thousands of girls every year online in swim in thongs prancing around doing videos and shit like that and that's i mean i don't know what else did you ever go to si for sports coverage uh i mean i feel like no it's it got bought it's trash now i think it was good in the 90s wasn't it si used to be like the leading used before espn before everyone else si was the leading sports magazine and it used to be like the Rolling Stone of sports. They actually yeah. had in-depth coverage of sports, and they got all the top athlete interviews, and they did like cool shit. Uh, and now I don't think they just no one covers them anymore. They got bought too many times. But that Swift is their moneymaker. But now they live in a generation where, as magazine publishers, they can't just have cheesecake, sexually objectified girls anymore. They have to like have cheesecake sexually objectified girls and pretend that they're not doing to pretend they're not doing that right so i don't know if you've noticed remember, we've talked about this now uh the past years ashley graham they've had like the fat models they've had the old models they've had the you know the, the, the disabled model they've had the, but it, it's always a small very small portion of what they're offering they highlight it in marketing activities but there's 100 pages there's one one page dedicated to like the the paraplegic model or yeah. whatever it's like i can skip one page while i'm jerking off yeah actually they have ashley graham like t- contorted so she looks a little less fat and then they have like 95 anorexic models with big titted <laughs> implants covering their by the way they don't they don't actually wear swimsuits anymore as far as i can tell they wear like a thong bottom and they hold their breasts yeah it's a new thing tonight there's not even any pretense that it's a swimsuit anymore yeah they started that with the paint they're yeah, like the we're, we're gonna paint. paint on the swimsuit and i'm like <laughs> Well, that's not a thing. And uh, I'm always just picturing uh, whoever's doing the painting, like, all right, now you have to spread your butt cheeks yeah. while we really get in there with the paintbrush. And it's like, it's not a normal activity. No, but if you look at the behind-the-scenes video covers, they always pretend like it's a real artistic endeavor. <laughs> all right, get some red on that taint. Get that taint like it's whatever. But so, so they had the old, last year was the old ladies, and they had the whatever. The, and so this year, the Me Too, they had the Me Too so, uh, segment. Which they they're pushing for uh, foremost as their like progressive agenda on the SI swimsuit thing. So of course they can't really have girls like in uh, uh, jorts, jean shorts, and like uh, you know uh, leather leather cut off jackets, lesbians, and angry feminists and stuff like that. They still want to use hot models. So what they decided this year, Matt, was to empower women was to take off all their clothes, to be totally naked. And then to cover themselves with Sharpie pens in words of empowerment, uh, female empowerment. It's really the best. I mean, you always talk about slacktivists, like where you can actually be an activist. It's sort of self-serving, but you do nothing. But when it comes to corporate slacktivism, they have to actually weave in the fact that they still get to make a lot of money off what they're doing. Yeah. So now, like for SI, which has been accused of, of, of sexually objectifying women and showing way too much skin, their solution was to show even more nudity, but to allow the women to write words like, what strong mom artists creative uh, shit on their bodies nur- in Sharpie nurturer. <laughs> nurturer which by the way isn't that what serial killers do to women like don't they just <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what Buffalo Bill did like in Sons of the Lambs I think they also yeah it's a good point use the women as canvas your skin as canvases for their for their drawings and they may have stolen the idea from Eddie Vedder uh, from Pearl Jam Unplugged when he wrote uh, Pro Choice in Sharpie on his arm uh, I don't know that writing 
messages on your naked body has ever been empowering? <laughs> ever been empowering? It seems idiotic. Well, they're and they're not even writing causes. No, they're bragging about themselves. It's like if they were going to tell you, "I'm very creative and I'm a nurturer." And it's like, all right, shut the fuck up. But then they wrote that on themselves, so it's just very narcissistic. Um, well, here's a, so so thirty years ago, Christy Brinkley was in Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, and like down in Tahiti or wherever the Caribbean, in a waterfall in a, like a one piece swimsuit showing off her body. Very sexy, great, great looking model. Now, thirty years later, her daughter is in Sports Illustrated swimsuit, naked on the floor of a photo studio, like in in Hollywood, like in New York. Didn't have to travel, uh, writing some shit in Sharpie on her body and that, and covering her vagina with her hand, and that's supposed to be like the evolution of female female empowerment. I yeah. Do women understand how men perceive how men perceive this? I don't. I don't know. I'm sure the models are like, yeah, I know that I get paid pretty well to show my tits and I diet and whatever, so, so I'm in good shape. I well, they have to, but they have to Instagram about how like empowered they felt through the whole process. Yeah, the thing of pretending that you're empowering anything by doing shit that you were already going to do uh, is getting really fucking annoying. Uh, or even, or even not even just what you're gonna do, but even like you've even made it more sexually objectifying in a way. Well, yeah, I mean, the premise of it is idiotic, but, you know, it's... I don't know when it became common to, like, make excuses. For example, like, just do what you're going to do. Like, Donald Trump loves McDonald's, right? That's his thing. And so he says... And well, and, 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 and prostitutes. It's, yeah. Stormy Daniels, by the way, is only in her mid-30s. She is rough. Yeah. Uh, I kind of thought she was, like, 50 or Trump's age. It's um, weird that porn stars don't age better, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I got to eat this McDonald's because, you know, it, uh, people could poison my food. And this is a consistent... It's like, just say that you like it. Oh, I see you, what you're saying. You know, just, just admit that you like showing your tits for money because it's better than working in an office. And, and we'll move on. You know, if we want uh, activism, we can go somewhere else. We don't need the 22-year-old with a double D cup to inform our opinions on. I don't anything. mind as long as they're not as long as they're not being obnoxious about it and like pretending they're feminists. You know, I don't mind like the model. Like, I don't like the I don't mind the actress and like whose whose role it is in the movie to show off her tits, pretending that she's an artist. That doesn't bother me because I feel like women, especially, feel the need to rationalize their work, their se- their sex work. Yeah. But it's when the con- when when the company like so SI hires a female editor, MJ Day, I think her name is. And then she has to go out there and, and chill for the fact that this is female empowering. And SI has to like start doing hashtags about uh, you know how empowering they are for women and hashtag feminist, hashtag empowerment, and all that kind of crap. It's when the when the people making money off this shit, which is so obviously fake and exploitative, are then pretending to be feminists, then I get bothered. You know, we all rationalize why our work is more important than it really is, or why we're not whores, I suppose. But when people like who are not even part of it, who are just making money off it, are then pretending they should deserve an award, like Harvey Weinstein used to win fucking women's rights awards. Like yeah. I don't trust people. I don't trust people like that. I just I think women this Me Too this Me Too movement and women's progressive movements are never going to advance properly till they figure out whether or not they want to make money off their tits. That's like what's holding it back. Yeah. Well, women obviously because they've kind of been handed this special privilege now, anyone wants the best of both worlds. It's human nature. To, yes. If someone wants to give you free shit, then you'll, you'll definitely take it. So, you know, the, I'm sure everyone's well aware that people like looking at naked women and that people don't care about the political statements of young models. Um, 
so they you know but now they're kind of pretending otherwise so it's this this false veneer that's just denying you know what's reality and it's uh it's annoying but to me it's like you know they said like the the, the moderate muslims have to call out the fundamentalist muslims like it'll never stop like the, tr- the terrorism will never stop till like the 90 percent of like moderates call out the, the radical among them this is where you need women to like call out the women who keep getting naked and by the way i don't want this to happen i'm just saying if you're really a feminist you need to call out chicks who are taking their clothes off for a living because the idea that this idea that feminism has always allowed like women to be like in control of their sex and therefore to be naked when they want to fuck who they want to be sluts if they want to like amber rose let's take back the word slut yeah you're never going to take back the word slut slut is always going to be <laughs> is, to men and to men is always going to be a demeaning term it's always but men will always think less of women who fuck around for whatever they want and you know bear their vaginas on a stage and dance for money they're always going to think less of those women yeah and until like the women figure out that they need to distance that that's not empowering they need to distance themselves from that men will never take women seriously and this whole this just seems like a charade women have played up here which is like you can get naked and write shit on your body and this is how we're going to empower women who fucking believe who believes that i agree it's yeah it's kind of like my bit about uh guys who say their best friend is their wife or girlfriend because <laughs> once you've like licked my balls i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it or, or demeaning but it's just not really the best friend relationship at that point uh i'm not saying i think less of you at all it's just uh we're on a different level well that's why i think the french have figured it out with the mistress th- mistress thing it's right. like the Madonna whore thing, right? Like, I want my wife to be my companion and my friend, and then I want this chick over here to lick my balls. Right. Because I don't necessarily want to uh, go to the museum with the chick who's licking my balls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be in a reading. I don't necessarily want to go to Book of the Month Club with the chick who's, like, rimming me. <laughs> like, I want to go with my wife, who's smart and I respect, but then I also need my, 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 my balls licked. So this is going to be my ball licker. I wouldn't say I agree with that, but I can kind of see why, it, you know, how that how that came to be yes do you remember uh, the 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 do, was it the first movie the first analyzed this movie with billy crystal and robert was it robert de niro yeah which wasn't actually a bad movie before they, they started making sequels it got really bad and billy crystal's telling robert de niro how like he should get his the sex his sex life isn't good he should get his wife to like suck his dick <laughs> and he's like what that's the, that's the mouth my my wife kisses our kids to sleep with at night he <laughs> 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 wanted to put it around my dick <laughs> like that is the the most uh Nebishy thought I've ever yes. is nebish by the way just a uh, a euphemism for for Jewy no, no uh, like it's like a fev- like beta male oh okay it's like a be- it's like a beta like a, a, sub- a submissive male basically <laughs> but it's fun but it's like that's how like real guys think which is like real guys old fashioned guys which is like I want my wife to be Madonna and I want my mistress to be the whore because you know I don't want my wife like being a whore so. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Uh, let's move. Let's move. Let's move on from Sports Illustrated. I do want those. I do want those. Uh, even though no one uses regular phones anymore, I still want one of those football phones. <laughs> it was always my dream. I was never allowed to get magazine subscriptions when I was a kid, but I always wanted that damn. The, the giveaways were always the best thing. The NFL sheets, the NFL pillow covers, and stuff like that. I'm sure, you can go on eBay and buy all this stuff for like five hundred dollars. Matt, let me ask you. Speaking of, of rim jobs and shitholes, mm. uh, the shitholing of Africa. I'm going to call this the shitholing of Africa segment 
So uh, uh, Trump, obviously, a few weeks ago, got in a lot. And, and let's let's start with our caveat that we both think Trump is a, is, is a, the biggest asshole. Um, he's, the more he's pathetic and gross. he really is really really gross. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that he's our president, but the only thing that keeps me from like being one of those people who's obsessed with Trump, like how much they don't like Trump is the fact that Hillary Clinton was the other option. <laughs> I always remind myself of that. So uh, that's the only thing that keeps me like because every time I think about like oh my god. How is this bald, weird, fucking narcissist? Like, <laughs> you know, just dude, how is he like the leader of our country? But then I think, like, what was the other option? It was Hillary Clinton. And then I think about how angry I would be if she was president. Yeah. And it would be the same amount of anger. And then I just sort of just ignore it as much as possible, as, more, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but you can't deny the country would be going less to shit if, uh, if Hillary was president. You think so? Uh, <laughs> I mean, just it would be, the, the, on the fa- the, on the at least face her it, yes. administration would have some competent people involved. I think on the face of it, there'd be less scandal, but I think behind the scenes, she'd be selling the shit out of every. She'd be like doing whatever the fuck she was doing before. True, yeah, her damage would probably take like a couple administrations later to really be like, oh, she signed over all the rights <laughs> to <laughs> the country to yes. fucking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's working with Goldman United Sachs Nations. to. Uh, to sell uh, to sell uh, to sell uh, Nebraska Kansas and so and so to the, Rus- the Russians for money for her husband's speaking fees. Yes, that's true. Uh, she was an insidious person, but yes, it's embarrassing. Uh, but he did make that comment about how Haiti. I think Haiti said he called out Haiti, El Salvador, I think, or Nicaragua and Africa as being shithole countries, uh, which was clearly, I think, on his part, there was at least a tinge of racism in his comments. Yes, um, but I think when you pull back from it objectively, you can have people who say things. Out of hate, and also they can also be objectively kind of true. Well, Haiti is particularly a shithole country, <laughs> yes. but uh, you know, about uh, I don't know, fifteen years ago or so, I noticed that the United States overthrew their democratically elected in Haiti uh, prime minister yeah. uh, in a military coup. So maybe that contributed in some way. Well, these are all. I mean, a lot of these places were besieged by colonial. Whatever you want to call it, they were slave countries, or they were invaded by the belt. Who was invaded? By the way, who, which country was invaded by Belgium? That has to be embarrassing for like an African nation that's been taken over by the Belgians. <laughs> like it's not like the British came in with their warships and the biggest military in the world and took you over. How did the Belgians own like three countries in Africa? I think they just moved in and made everyone dinner, and next <laughs> like, thing you know, they're just there. Belgium is like twenty sort of French guys who formed the country, and they somehow took over like three Central African <laughs> countries that were like eighty million times their size with like eleven people. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe they just were good con artists. But those countries have just remained. I mean, if you look, all you have to look at is like all the you know the mortality stats, the economic stats, the fucking education. AIDS stats. is a good yardstick for how shitty a country is malaria people dying of of tetanus (laughs) it's just like people dying of like being eaten by animals you know to be this guy though if you look at uh if you look at the u.s in terms of like uh income equality infant mortality prison we have by far the most prisoners of any country uh you know you could make a case that the u.s is a shithole too there are shithole parts of the United States, but I, I've lived in some shithole parts of the United States before, and I'd still much rather live there than I would in the fucking Congo. There's just, oh, for no, sure. there's just no way I'm moving to the Congo or Port-au-Prince. You know a country's a real shithole when there's no data on it. Like yeah. you'll be looking at, I'll be looking at shit on Wikipedia. Like, uh, I wonder what's uh, going on in Uganda. Like, who, uh, you know, who has the most uh, malaria or whatever? And there's just parts that are gray. Yes. 
Like, that is not a good sign. Well, let's put it this way. So Ebola swept through the Ivory Coast and the other, like, three or four countries there a few years ago and killed, like, God knows how many number of people died from, like, vomiting in their own mouth and pouring blood out of their eyeballs. Mm. And the reason they did was because there's a practice in Africa where, like, when someone dies of Ebola, the whole family hugs him, hugs his carcass for, like, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no sense. Whereas, like, Ebola hit the United States and, like, one person died in the entire country, and that was a person who had just been come back from Africa. So there's something you said for modern sanitary conditions and antibiotics. and Well, and the health. condom thing, just they're not on board with that. I don't, no. I don't know. You know, it, it looks kind of intuitive. Um, so everyone's dying from fucking. There's a, a thing that goes on your day. You would kind of, you know, almost it would make sense. You, you don't need to be instructed of how to put on a condom. No. Um, well, also they have, then they have the guy, like the guy you, you, you mentioned, that, what was his name, Zebra? Who was the guy, the jackal, who was giving AIDS to people? The jackal. <laughs> was that his name? I think so. He was some animal name, but his job was to give like 12-year-old girls AIDS. <laughs> That's just like, there's some, there's some weird shit. There's still active slavery going on in Africa. Well, I've looked up why Africa is so fucked up. And I think it's partly just due to the um, geographic location. Like, it's sort of more easily invaded um, due to, you know, its position on the map. Um, also, like, a lot of cultures don't have a, uh, a concept of, like, divide and conquer. So, like, they're, they're, you're not quite ready for it. Like, why would someone want to, you know, like, you're at a bar. Like, why would some guy just pick a fight? That was, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. That's what he felt like doing. Well, it's, tri- it's, st- it's still intense amount of tribalism there. And by yeah. tribalism, I mean they actually kill each other yeah, from yeah. different tribes. So here we have a lot of hate speech on Twitter, but there they actually take, take spears and just slaughter other, tri- other tribes. And they have warlords. Like, I don't get, you know, at least as fucked up as this country is, we don't have warlords. No. Like, that's a. If we make a list, which I think we should do, checklist is your country a shithole. Oh, yes. Warlord is yes. way up there. Yeah, we have, we have gang leaders here, but they control a very, very, very small percentage of the demographic economics in this country like the leader of the crips isn't like you know it doesn't run a state he's not the governor yeah he runs he runs like eight blocks in south central and those are his blocks uh, for the drug for the drug trade or 12 blocks but he's not like making legislation he's not passing legislation yeah well the u.s also seeks out like power hungry dictators over there yes and uh you know takes all their mining rights and pays them like a paltry amount of money uh, gives them beads. Gives them a Harley or whatever. You know who's doing that now, by the way? China. China is moving heavily into South, South America and Africa, doing the same shit we did like 150 years ago. Yeah. And they're just going into all these poor countries with all the mineral rights and all the other shit, and just going in heavy with lots of fucking Chinese dollars, so and the, just buying up the countries, basically. So here's how Africa, part of the reason it is a shithole, and how it could not be a shithole, is... Uh, all the contracts that were written and uh, signed by people who didn't know what they meant, and uh, and uh, all oh, I the, think they knew what they meant. I think they were taking money for they foreign were taking, debt. Yeah. Uh, you know, why don't we uh, absolve those and uh, that seems stop racist. Taking Matt. advantage of Russia of uh, <laughs> of Africa. That seems racist. You don't think the Tutsi the Tutsi can handle contracts? So uh, no, I don't. I, I think what I don't think it's part of their culture. Like if you think about it, our culture is is really fucking weird. Like just to sit in this establishment, they had to pull uh, permits, and if I fall, I can like sue them, and so they have to like factor that into the price of our iced tea. Um, it, it's a it's a Byzantine system that uh, that never 
fucking ends. I mean, it's insane. It permeates everything about our, our society. But it keeps some order, obviously. I mean, not just people don't walk in and steal shit. Yeah, but but I'm saying it it is strange to an outside observer. Oh, yeah. Who's, and you don't need that shit if you're in an African village of, like, 100 people. Like, you can maintain law and order, um, you know, pretty easily, such as if some guy's an asshole, you, you kill that guy. And that's... You know, that's well, there was cool. a tribal. It was definitely a tribalism in those. I mean, th- these are like, if you look at countries and the native populations, like going back thousands of years, like if you look at the Middle East, there's just tribalism that has gone on for thousands of years. Yeah, where like the Shia and the and the Sunni are still killing each other after like 1800 years. Yeah, like people in the Tora Bora and whatever it's called in Afghanistan. One of those is a vacation destination. The other one's a cave. I can never get them right. Uh, <laughs> what's Bora Bora? What's Tora Bora? Yeah. You want to know if you're booking that Expedia where you're going. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of important. Like they don't even, they, first of all, they don't identify as being Afghan. No. I'm sure a lot of them don't even know that Afghanistan is a country. So if their fucking shithole leader signs an agreement, they're like, we, didn't even, we don't know what you did. We didn't elect you. No one elected you. Well, the U.S. installed you. So, you know, it, it gets pretty murky. So I think it's really unfair when you're contributing to these countries being shitholes, uh, like invading them, uh, looting and pillaging uh, for, for financial Yeah, but it's purposes. not the way of the world. That's sort of the way of the world. I mean, I guess I'm not, I'm not saying they I'm not saying they're shithole countries because they're stupid people. But they just have been beleaguered by, you know, look at Latin America. Latin America has just been a shitty place forever. Because it's just been completely uncontrollable by there's, there's so much infighting in every country. They have a coup every four years, and they just a lot of that's caused by the U.S. and and the world at large. But the U.S.'s uh, appetite for coke and, and marijuana. Oh, I no doubt about that. But that still makes you a shithole. <laughs> yeah, but we need to acknowledge that we're contributing directly to your country being a shithole. If you're going to call another country a shithole, which as the president of the United States, you probably shouldn't do in the first place. But, you know, a little context. I know uh, Donald Trump is not capable of uh, this kind of thought. Oh, no, no, thought. I agree. But I don't think I'm picturing you, like, ha- like, hitting on some hot, dumb chick and scoring with her. And then later on apologizing to her for taking advantage of the fact that she was so dumb that she slept with you. <laughs> That's sort of what I'm picturing, which is never done. That, that procedure never takes place. Like, no one ever apologized to a woman like, look, you're really stupid, and that's why you probably slept with me. <laughs> you have really horrible judgment. It tastes in men. So that's sort of the same idea. And by the way, Trump probably falls in that category of guys. You're like, if we can rape you, we're going to rape you. Yeah. Basically. So, but here's my bigger point. So Black, uh, Black Panther's coming out. Mm. And so here's what Hollywood, here's what I, I don't like what Hollywood does. I know Hollywood's obviously obsessed with being uh, on the edge of progressiveness. So what Hollywood has to do, like, when they don't like... You know, when they want to signal their virtue is they have to create, like, some alternative universe where they're countering, like... So now they have, like, a show where, like, they're putting out a bunch of TV shows where, like, illegal immigrants are all doctors and lawyers and, like, leaders in their industry and, like, healthcare workers on the front line. So because there's an anti-illegal immigrant tied in the country, they have to create a show where every illegal immigrant is, like, a, is like a saint, is a saint mm, you know? Right. Now they have a Black Panther coming out where Black Panther comes from a country in Africa, a made-up country in Africa that is... Well, socially, technologically, morally advanced beyond any other country in the world. They took, like, South Korea and put it in Africa, basically. But even, like, uh, yes, if South Korea wanted to defend the entire world. Like, if South Korea were all, like, paladin knights who, like, were were hell-bent on saving the world from its own destruction. uh, And also were, like, all computer geniuses. So this country in Africa, this made-up country, is sort of the opposite of every other country in Africa. Yeah, it's the opposite of every country. It's like if Elon Musk started like a country in Africa, 
And its, its sole mission was to enhance the planet, and he put in like $100 billion of technology every year. So they could build, build advanced technology just to help save the planet. So, uh, and by the way, Elon Musk wouldn't be able to do that. Well, there are no laws, really, so I, I could see, and I could it, see but, in the future something like that happening, I suppose. Well, China's going to build a lot of first-world-type shit in, in Africa, but it ain't going to be like this. But here's the point. So Black, Black Panther has already, and by the way, it's supposed to be a good movie, and everyone talks about this the best Marvel movie ever and the, every time one comes out. Thor was the last one last year. It was the best Marvel movie ever. Is the uh, Iron Man, is that Marvel? Yes. Yeah, because the first Iron Man was praised. This seems kind of on par with that in terms of like critical response. Well, anytime they make a movie that's not a shitty comic book movie, they say it's the best movie ever, and it's easier when it's about one guy because they can actually do like a backstory and have a you know some subplots and shit like that. You can develop a character. And by the way, I'm sure this is a good movie. They brought in Ryan. What's his name? Ryan Coogler, the guy who made Fruitvale, Sta- Fruitvale Station oh, right. and C- Creed to make this movie. Black so, director. A black director with a pedigree for like actual characters in an independent film. Mm-hmm. So he actually, it's, I'm sure it's a lot deeper than most movies, and I'm sure it's a good movie, but it has 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. Because you can't actually say you didn't like the movie because it's being sold now as a black, empower, as a black empowerment uh, cultural thing, phenomenon. Yeah. Where like everybody now has, just like they did with female Ghostbusters, everyone now has to talk about this film as if it's like a litmus test on whether or not you're for black, the advancement of. But not just black, but African Afrocentric causes, <laughs> causes and, and virtues, which, as we describe, it is Africa is a shithole. So you can, I think, intellectually separate the fact that you are not a racist, but the fact that Africa is a complete is a complete shithole. Yeah, I mean, ask the people in Africa what they, what they think about where they live. Well, they're all migrating to other countries. <laughs> the ones that, are, that can get out are getting out. I'm so sick of this shit. We hired a black director. Okay, congratulations. And by the way, he's a competent director, so nothing against him. But it's like... Uh, well, like I, Patty, Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. He's the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, I don't care what demographic the director of the movie I'm watching is. It, it doesn't factor into my decision to see it or my enjoyment of the movie. It's... Uh, like stop advertising it. It's make it makes the studios and the and the PR uh, machines seem racist. It's like do you have to brag? If I came in it's here totally and bragged racist. about having a black friend, would you be like, what, what's up with why 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 are you talking about that? It's racist to the point of not only like subliminally racist. It's racist to the point of them saying like, if you don't like cri- critics, if you don't like this movie, you're going to be labeled a racist. <laughs> right. Which is like, just like with the same thing with one, one woman came out with what, 99% or 100% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. It's like, this is the first female superhero movie. We brought in a female director, a, 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 a really a legitimate female director who's made movies about women before. This is a female superhero movie. If you don't like it, you're, se- you're, you're sexist. Yeah. And it's really like, it's kind of an insidious thing to be saying and again i'm sure the movie was okay one of them was an okay movie it was probably, still haven't seen it yeah it was better than like it was basically captain america with the chick it was and by the way this isn't like fruitville station where you're saying like only a black director could do fruitville station which i still don't believe but at least you could say like we need, we need someone who has a background of you know being harassed by cops you know okay i have any sense so like that's going to be largely minority people mm-hmm. i mean who gets who gets who gets fucking frisked at subway stations like, most white guys don't know that experience. So I could see why you would want a director who understood that experience of the content of the film. Yeah. But this is a superhero movie. This is a superhero movie. There's a, yeah. There's a lot of mixed... Uh, so I wasn't aware of the character Black Panther, but you said it's been around for a while. So I think it's the early 70s. There's 
Okay, so that's right around the time that the... Uh, that's after the Black Panther uh, movement. Yeah, so that's the, where the name came from, clearly. The, the superhero name came from the Black Panther Party. Well, I assume it was inspired. Stan Lee and this other guy invented him in the early 70s. I assume that's where it came from. And these were very progressive guys. I think he should be wearing a leather jacket and carrying a, a revolver. Yeah. Uh, and have an afro and like sideburns. Shaft, like Shaft. Because, like, what is that? Assuming that it was inspired by the American Black Panthers, who I think were fucking cool, uh, what does it have to do with Africa? Well, they made it. I think they made it Afrocentric, African centric, because of this idea that like you can't just be it can't just be black. It has to be like origin black story. It has to be you have to like say Africa is an amazing place. Are there? I, I just think they might have missed a few steps here because I don't even know if there are Panthers in Africa. I know they're in Florida. <laughs> Well, I think it's the hockey team, <laughs> <laughs> the football team. Well, uh, so I got, I got, I'm mostly upset because I got tricked into watching uh, Luke Cage on Netflix. Hmm. Have you seen Luke Cage? I don't even know what that is. Luke Cage is also a Marvel character. I believe he's a Marvel character. He has extraordinary powers, but he also is a black guy from Harlem. So the whole show was, it was supposed to be this first superhero movie. It was a TV show on Netflix, where it was really about the black experience in Harlem. And he's a, he's a authentic, authentic black Harlem, born and raised Harlem guy. So the story is about like black Harlem. Okay. And so they actually interweave into the story like the artists of, of Harlem, the culture of Harlem, the, you know, the politics of Harlem, the, the, the eth- ethnic demographic of Harlem for like two seconds. And then the rest is like gangsters shooting each other over drugs and like, and Luke throwing, and Luke Cage throwing people like 50 feet in the air. Right. So it, it just to me, it was like, it was like stupid. It was like, yeah, you could do like, like you said, a really cool like shaft at the time was like a really cool thing. Yeah, because you had a black, a black, you know, normal mortal human guy who was like sort of super, super, super amazing, and he was empowering. I could see that, but now you have like a superhero movie. You're just going to say like, we're going to layer in this black culture thing into it because now it's going to have to be, have more significance than Thor or Captain America. Yeah, that seems like the wrong venue for that. Yeah, yeah. There's also Africa. I, I don't. I don't know if it speaks to any kind of racism or probably just cultural uh, illiteracy. But there's no other continent where people make up countries for for fiction's sake, <laughs> yes. right? Like, well, no. The, the Mar- I will say this: a Marvel story. Every Marvel story has a fake country in it. So, like the, the Avengers first or last one, whatever had like a fake country, like in Asia. Oh, well, like then, a Kazakhstan, but I didn't call it Kazakhstan. Totally invalidates my entire point. <laughs> I did not know. But that. they were, but they, but those countries were shitholes. There's no like marvelous hidden country like next to Kazakhstan, <laughs> where like people are friendly and peaceful. There's no. It was a terrorist country they made up. You know, <laughs> they'll do that like in Mission Impossible. They make up like a terrorist country like that sounds sort of like Moldova, but it's not Moldova. Right. It's just some other. But country. no one knows, and they just assume that it's a real country. It's like near Albania, but it's a horrible terrorist state because you believe that. But no, no one believes there's an Eden or a paradise like hanging around the subcontinent of, of Asia that no one's heard of before. <laughs> so there's this really hot chick I was dating once, and uh, she was from the country of Georgia. Yeah. So I was, I always say shit like, um, "So did you ever go to any Braves games?" And uh, she didn't. She, she didn't just, get it. She thought all Americans were retarded, probably for good reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. Did she like lamb? Did she eat a lot of lamb? Goat. Was good. Was good. Hard night. I don't think she ate anything. Georgia's supposed to be the nicest country over there, and I still believe it's a shithole. <laughs> it just really is. All right, Matt. Let me ask you about uh, the worst boss you ever had. 
Uh, I know you complain about your, your whole lumberyard story. I've heard so many times <laughs> about how you were, uh, uh, I think you were sodomized in the, uh, in the woodshed. Uh, but Harvey Weinstein sounds like the worst boss ever. And here's what I want. So the, the, the attorney general of New York. So now like everyone, I guess for 25 years, no one gave a shit about what Harvey Weinstein was doing. And now all of a sudden he's the most he's the worst person ever. He might be the worst person his ever. His whole board uh, of of his company was aware of it. A lot of women on the board too, by the way. Most of Hollywood was aware. Of it. You can't get away with his level of shit and not not have people know about it. You can't like you can like subjugate and berate like two people in your life without anyone knowing about it. If you do it to hundred people, everyone in the industry knows about it. Yeah, you can't just do it to everybody. You can't just have like eighty victims and no one knows about it. If you're like, you know, you know, if you're Woody Allen, maybe get away with one one child molestation. There's no other charges, but you can't have 50 charges against you and not have people know about it. Yeah. So I guess Harvey Weinstein. So the Attorney General. So they're trying to sell the Weinstein's. Are trying to sell the Weinstein. What's left of the Weinstein company, which is still a significant amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars. So they have like movies in the can, right? Yeah, and plus the library of movies. So the thing is worth like it's worth a lot of money. And they're trying to, obviously, it's going to have to be bought at a discount, whoever buys it now, because it's tainted. But they want to sell and they want to get money, profit off of this. And the Attorney General of New York has now stepped up to say, like, no, we're going to get in and block the sale because we want to investigate all these civil rights violations at your company first to basically try and snake out as much money of that as possible for, our, you know, in penalties for ourselves. Right. Um, and so they actually now have released a lot of the documentation on what went on at the Weinstein Company Ooh. for the various suits. And it's fucking horrific. <laughs> it is like, now again, these are un- you know Weinstein's denying all this shit. So these are just like again, you know, witness statements. I believe everything at this point. I believe everything, absolutely everything. <laughs> so he was like having like basically using his staff at the company outside of the real critical people. His entire staff seemed to be dedicated to his Caligula like lifestyle. So they were all either enabling him to rape women, assault women, harass women, get away with doing shit to women. It was all like he had basically like. 30 to 40 people who had fake jobs at, at, at the Weinstein Company and Miramax before that, who essentially were just there to enable his, his gross sexual behavior. Yeah. Which, in the abstract, let me say, sounds amazing. <laughs> it just really does. If you can get away with that, I mean, I don't like the, the forced, obviously the forced sexual part, but if you can get away with like being rich and powerful enough that you have 30 people, women mostly, who are just there to enable you to get more sex with other women. They must have made it's a good, it's a good gift. so much money to have that kind of staff on hand. Because I know what they would do is uh, if your movie, you know, if you produced a movie um, or, or, or were in a movie of uh, their company, they would start writing off all your profits as promotional costs, et cetera, sure. et cetera. So That's like, an old Disney trick, by the way. It seems like all that money that they were stealing from talent uh, was going to pay someone to inject his dick. Yeah, he had uh, w- uh, women. One of the women's job was to inject his dick with. Because uh, if you're really, you know, you've made it when you can find someone else to inject your dick. I feel like if you're a low level porn star and you're getting like, whatever that shit is into your dick, you got to inject yourself. If you actually have like a, 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 a lady making eighty thousand a year injecting your dick, you've really made it. <laughs> that's like the yeah. sign. Of, that's the forget the Ferrari. That's the ultimate sign of success. Having a dick injection, lady. Well, wouldn't s- someone should have leaked this to? Did they have stockholders or was it a private? Uh, uh, well, they were owned by. So Miramax got bought by Disney, and then when Disney sold them out, I think they bought themselves out and became the Weinstein Company. TWC, the Weinstein Company. Miramax is still around at Disney, but Disney owns that I think wholly. Mm-hmm. So there is, I think there's, I think it's a private company. Yes, it's kind of like part of Disney in a way. Well, no, the, the Miramax is still at Disney. That was their old company that Disney bought, but they they left Disney. 
the Weinstein's left Disney like 12, 14 years ago oh. and started the Weinstein Company. All I'm so, saying is if you have some financial stake in this company through whatever, uh, a movie or, or whatever, other business dealings, someone's you got to know that that they're paying a whole staff of people. Yes. I mean, this is like Kim Jong-un level shit. They're well, paying people to, to jerk him off and, and, and curry prostitutes. He had a con- uh, Weinstein's contract with the, comp- with, the com- with the Weinstein company set with the board said he could not be fired for sexual harassment provided he personally paid for the settlements. That was in his fucking contract. But that's you can't have a contract like that. That's <laughs> not going to hold up. Right? No, but with his board saying like, look, if I get if some woman says I like fucking like grabbed her tits in the office, you can't fire me for that, provided it's settled and I pay the settlement myself. But why didn't it's but, a private company? I guess you could legally. I mean, here's the thing about Weinstein that makes him really, really dangerous was that he's rich and he has a fucking bevy of like really high powered attorneys. Not to mention, it seemed like ex Mossad agents he had paid. He paid a lot of ex Mossad agents yeah. to do shit. So he was like. You know, he's not a dumb guy. He's a really smart, well-equipped guy. He's like a real, you know, evil genius villain. Yeah, he could have like solved real problems <laughs> if he would have dedicated this kind of thought to sort of sexually assaulting women. If he would have put that into something productive. But he clearly like covered his ass ahead of time with so much shit that like he said like here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be like this sexual harassing rapist guy, but I need to make sure I can never go to jail or be fired for it. So I'm gonna set up this entire like web of like things my attorneys tell me I can do to get away with, and therefore I can hire a chick to inject my dick with stuff. But, I mean, uh, yeah. He, th- he threatened to kill people at the office, apparently, on a regular basis. And not like, I'm going to kill you, but, like, here's how I'm going to kill you if you tell anybody about this shit. Well, I know this Me Too thing, you know, the, the times are a little bit different, but I just don't see why 10 years ago... Look, if you can smuggle documents out of the FBI's headquarters and, and, and the Pentagon and whatnot, like, you can, why didn't someone leak this contract and all these documents and shit and emails to, to the New York Times. Well, the New York Times had a story in 2004. Uh, the, the, uh, Sharon Waxman, who runs the rap site now, we wrote a story for the New York Times in 2004 that got, got crushed. It got squashed by the New York Times because apparently Weinstein found out about it and threatened to pull all the advertising out of the New York Times for all the Miramax movies. Mm. And so they decided to pull all the, all the real... There was like some minor shit in there. The story ran with like 90% of the shit cut out of it. Including a lot of this gross, like including the fact, the key fact that he had a guy in, in Italy who paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars to to be vice president of Miramax Italy, whose sole job it was to basically obtain prostitutes for Harvey Weinstein when he went to Europe. So the New York Times sold out hard. Oh Plus yeah, the TV media. There were so many conflicts of interest with uh, people involved with this company that wanted, uh, free, you know, wanted his help. Well, he gave uh, what was his name? He gave Lisa Bloom uh, a TV. He gave Lisa Bloom a TV uh, TV development deal to tell her to have her story turned to a TV show. Yeah, and the president of I believe it was NBC News was like an aspiring screenwriter. Had to deal with had to deal with the Weinstein company as well. So this guy was a true like mafiosa in terms of like the tentacles he had everywhere. But here's the here's the point of the story: if you're a woman or a man. And you're working in an office, and the guy goes, and your boss says you got to inject his dick with shit, or you got to go f- fi- help him like rape women in his office, or like, here's the deal: I'm gonna have be, I'm gonna have my pants off in the office. I want you to get Mira Sorvino in here. I want you to lie to her and tell her you and some other people gonna be in the meeting, get her in here, bring her in, then walk out and lock the door behind you. Is there some point in which you go, no, no, I'm, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. I would think so. I just, it's an, it's, it's an odd thing. I'm not blaming the women but i kind of am blaming the women i guess 
I'm picturing, you know, it's your first job out of college. You're naive and you're um, ambitious. And then you're having cocktails with your friend from the sorority. And you go, hey, has your boss ever um, asked you to inject his dick with a boner <laughs> substance? Yes. And the uh, other person says, no, that's not normal at all. You should probably quit or, fi- or uh, you know, file, uh, start documenting the stuff, sue him. You know, we just leave. Just leave. Get another job. These are all, again, this is not like suffering women. These are all college-educated women in Manhattan who could have got jobs elsewhere. I know he threatened to destroy people if they said anything, and he was a tyrant. And no, no doubt he had a lot of pressure and influence on people. But I, I've had shitty bosses before, but I don't remember a boss telling me to commit a crime. Like, here's the deal. We're going to commit a crime tonight. I'm going to rape this chick in my office, and you're going to help me. And uh, if not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking smear you. Be like, yeah, nah. I'm I not guess doing that. maybe some people rationalize it like uh, it's like a meter maid philosophy, like, or or you know, you're working for an arms manufacturer. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's a dirty job, but you know, if I don't do it, then someone else is just going to come and do it, and you know, the benefits are good. It's good perks. Yeah, but then uh, uh, leading to our next discussion about Rose McGowan, then can that then you turn that into being a, into being a victim? If you don't if you don't stand up and say anything, or even like just quit and leave and don't say anything, if you were part of this, aren't you kind of responsible for this? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could claim like uh, what's it called, Stockholm Stockholm syndrome, like Patty Hearst or whatever. Uh, do you think men? Do you think this like women are part more part are more? Do you think he got women to this because women are more? You're able to apply them more with this kind of, to scare the shit out of them more to make them more submissive. Well, were these so? These are mostly women. Mostly that women, were yes. Holding these positions, yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're saying are women more easily manipulated? Are they more frightened to say shit about stuff? To like well, stand probably. Up? I mean, he's threatening them, and plus he he's they, physically intimidating. They know that he has all these drugs, and that he's you know probably. Um, you you know he's probably assaulted women so yeah i could see him being afraid of him i get i mean that's how it seems to me like the rape cultures of like you know when isis goes into towns and rapes women and stuff like that so they just completely scared shitless of these guys will do whatever they want yeah it is intimidating still there is definitely a gender power thing i mean i would say if you're looking to take a person and sort of mold them into your um, rape assistant slave (laughs) and and you know brain totally break them and brainwash them I would say uh, probably women a little bit more susceptible to that kind of thing. I mean, look at the Manson thing. Yeah. You know. Uh, this is like a Manson cult, the Weinstein thing. You know, cults cults have guys, too. So usually they're just fucking They're there to everything. fuck the women. They're there to fuck the women. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if women are more susceptible. I mean, I think they're more gentle by nature. So um, Well, they're also less willing to break up relationships. Even bad relationships, yeah. Whereas I think men walk men walk away much easier from shit. Men are like you can call it cowardly if you want, but men are more likely just to fucking get out of dodge, just take off like fuck this and just leave. I mean, it's possible that he because, like you said, he's obviously really smart, and maybe he he would interview and look for weak people that he thought would go along with it. Predators are really uncanny, like that. By the way, they can find they spot that they have some gene in them where they can spot like weakness in people. And they know who, who and who isn't safe to have around their little fucking cult of uh, rape, the rape cults and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, just like I think Jerry Sandusky found a wife he knew would not fucking bother him about his fucking pedophile shit. They can spot that. I think they can spot that shit. 
Yeah, they, and they can yeah they can spot their victims. They don't you know they don't assault Macaulay Culkin. Uh, they, right. They look for the kid from the broken family. With cancer. The kid with cancer, broken family. Yeah. Who's gonna die like next year? So he can grab his dick when he's sleeping over at the Neverland Ranch. All right, let me ask you this email we have from Henry about Rose McGowan. Uh, speaking of Weinstein victims slash enablers, uh, he asks plainly, how much time until Rose McGowan is on the roof with a gun, and should it be nervous as a man, or will she take out women first? I've never seen, I've never seen in all my years, in all my years in Hollywood, I've never seen a person rise from obscurity faster than Rose McGowan to a place of like newsworthy prominence. And then fall to pieces so quickly thereafter as Rose McGowan. Oh, that one guy that did the video about the African dictator and that, that went viral. Oh, Coney? Coney, and then he's like jerking off on the side but of the I street. But I mean, if I'm talking about like a forgotten, completely forgotten actress. Like a year ago, Rose McGowan was nothing. She was like, first of all, she wasn't even allowed to talk about Weinstein because of her NDA. So like a year ago, she was just that woman who shaved her head and was complaining about having to wear tank tops at casting calls. That no one really paid she attention to? She was playing the seeds. I mean, she was doing a lot of interviews and talking about the sort of Me Too thing, but it was obvious that she didn't have a lot of credibility. No one that, cared. Yeah, she was crazy. So as of October, she became, she did the interview with NBC with Ronan Farrow and stuff, and she broke her non-disclosure agreement. And then the Me Too, and the Weinstein story came at the time. She became the biggest fucking thing in the world. She got a book deal. She got a TV, she got a TV show deal. She was like on Good Morning America, the Today Show, everything. She got her Rose Army together. Yep. They've been her Citizen Rose. Still not convinced that there was one, but okay. <laughs> no, they, but she was huge. She was seen as vind- like this vindicated, like the, she was the Joan of Arc essentially of the Me Too movement. And then she just turned out to be a nut job, and she cracked. Even though there's some probably some twenty percent legitimacy to what she's talking about, it just all went to her head. And now she's fucking screaming at trannies calling out death threats to every guy, right? And fuck, 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 and all caps, fuck you, rapist, and all caps, and all her Twitter posts to everybody. She's got like a like a martyr, like a serious martyr complex. Oh, yeah. She attacked Meryl Streep, which everyone woman knows you don't, as, as phony as Meryl Streep may be, you don't attack Meryl Streep. That's just like a, it's like a black NBA player calling out Bill Russell for shit. <laughs> it's just, I don't care if you knew, know secretly that Bill Russell's an asshole, you don't call out Bill Russell. There's just certain icons of, of your movement you don't call out. And Meryl Streep is seen as, like, every single fucking woman in Hollywood loves Meryl Streep beyond belief. I wonder if she's so insane because she has sort of a guilty conscience. Like, she never... So she... I still don't quite understand how this works, and I honestly don't want to sound like victim-blaming, but he assaulted her in some way. She took $100,000 to not talk about it. Yes. Um, Is that... Is that a good... uh, no, she. I think she is the, that good. Is that like a good thing for society to take money? Does that make it okay? Does that no? Make it, I think that's one of her original sins. I think that her original sin is like, and working with the pedophile director and, and, and sleeping with Robert Rodriguez on the set of his movie when he's married, and, and working her way up the chain. I think her original sin sins are the fact that she was just a fucking good-looking hustler and actress in Hollywood for ten years, right? She did what had to be done to get ahead in Hollywood, yeah. which involved like doing lots of shady, horrible shit. And Weinstein may have pushed, pushed her on sexual assault. I don't know. But she was clearly hugging him and kissing him in photos afterwards. She led a very horrific, hypocritical existence for many years in Hollywood to get ahead. Which, by the way, I think does help to get ahead. It really does help to get ahead. Grew up in a cult. Was probably Sex real cult. fucked oh, yeah. up to begin with. For sure. And it was. didn't really manifest itself until she... 
you know, later decided that. Uh, well, when her career sto- when her career stopped, basically, so she probably fucked most everyone uh, of the movies that she was in. Whatever, to, to whatever she part. did, she did a lot of things she's not proud of. Let's put it that way. And then when the which is all fine when the when the roller coaster's going, but when it stops and it's over, when the ride's over, then you look back and go, "Fuck, this is horrible." So how do I frame this for myself to make it look like it was I was a victim? And so she comes out as hundred percent victim, right? No mediation, no no just no justification of past involvement. How hurt she might be responsible for some of this? Just pure straight victim. But that doesn't that doesn't jive so much with her actually filing the lawsuit like why if that's who she was why would she have i mean it couldn't have been for the hundred grand like why did she file the suit i don't think she filed a suit i think she i don't think it got that far why she take the hundred grand back yeah. in 97 or 98 yeah because she probably needed the money and she wanted to keep working so oh, so she like threatened to no I'm it's sure all thre- very weird i want to know the details of it. it i mean weinstein was an evil fucker he was an evil fucker there's no doubt about that but the, the question is, that then, do you take, like, just like the women at Miramax who are injecting his dick, do you then take no responsibility whatsoever? So this woman, uh, I forget her name now, 50-year-old manager, Rose McGowan's manager and former Weinstein employee, killed herself last week. Yeah. You know, obviously there was other things going on in her life besides her involvement with this case. But clearly she felt extremely, there's some guilt in her, her feeling of involvement in all the shit that is went she on. she McGowan's current manager? She was her most recent, she was her recent manager. Oh. Uh, I don't know that she, McGowan has any work, but um, but she found she met her through Weinstein. She worked at the Weinstein Company for a long time. So there are a lot of these people, women especially, who must have massive amounts of guilt for what went on and not talking about it. Mm. And I'm not saying that's the only reason she took her life. She was obviously a, depre- a very depressed person. Um, but then Rose McGowan kind of just came out, even though the woman's family said Rose McGowan was partly to blame for her killing herself, <laughs> came out and just said, look what Weinstein's done, take another victim. Like, this is no self-awareness whatsoever. So the question it really is, Matt, how long until she's up on a roof with a gun just shooting people from the clock tower? Uh, you know, I can honestly see that happening. She, <laughs> I totally She could. is so full of misplaced anger. And, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, she's a crazy person. She's one of those people... That stands on the sidewalk yelling yes. about shit. She yes. just happens to have a roof over her head. She's a fucking lunatic. Did um, you see her battling with the tranny at the uh, book at the book signing? Yeah. Now I want to say this: the tranny was a setup. Okay, someone sent the tranny in there to get like to cause a cause a, cause chaos. You gotta you gotta love when they send the tranny in to cause chaos, right? But then she's fighting the idea of her as a fe- shaved head feminist fighting with a man who's become a woman. Over who knows women suffering the most, but <laughs> just got a pure genius, pure genius. And then she started by saying, Rose McGowan started by saying, they said, have you had a rough afternoon? She said, I've had a rough life. You, <laughs> well, know? you can tell McGowan is completely resentful of the trans person yes. because they decided to become a woman <laughs> yes. and uh, they haven't had to put up with it their whole lives. And, and she obviously knows that it's very trendy and she doesn't appreciate this person crashing her, <laughs> yes. her, her book feminist signing. Party. Yes. Uh, but she's also, you know, sort of uh, a hero to a few people on the far left, so she can't really say that. But she did. So but that's the point. That's how crazy she is. She actually, like, did you watch it? She actually became violent. I mean, she became, like, angry to the point of violence, like, immediately. Yeah, like, but she was unable to, like, control herself. <laughs> but she still said, like, I respect you as a woman and all this shit. She said that bullshit stuff to begin with. <laughs> but she, she's a violent person. I, I say she's going to kill somebody. She's definitely going to kill somebody. I'm not, you know, ho- hopefully. I'll say this, hopefully herself, before she kills somebody else. But she's, she's nuts. And this is another example of where, like, I think Hollywood, whatever, the media, like, get behind somebody. 
Without vetting them whatsoever. <laughs> vetting them whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always There's pick some, some lunatic. So it's desperate. So yeah. desperate to find somebody. I'm friends with her on Facebook, and I kind of write. I'll post stuff on her wall that's um, totally pointing out what an idiot she is, and she uh, she takes that as me complimenting her. Really? I think she's stupid on top of all of this. I think she's a whole, there's a whole bunch of shit going on. I would not, again, everyone's like desperately searching for an MLK for their cause, and they're just not finding them, so they invest... So much in a Rose McGowan to the point that like they gave her a TV show to talk about her victimization and nobody watched it and now they've shelved the rest of the episodes. It's really unfortunate because I, I really am a fan of the Scream franchise and uh, <laughs> you know it's a whole other conversation about can you watch uh, Kevin Spacey movie now and not th- but McGowan has probably ruined Scream for me. You're not gonna watch Planet Terror anymore because you ruined. I saw her by the way at the Planet Terror. Uh, premiere when that came out, and I don't know when that was, but she she was hot then. She was really good looking back then. She was real hot. And Robert Rodriguez was she was like in leather, like a leather pants and like no top basically. And she was with Robert Rodriguez, and they were basically making out the entire time, like in public. Remember when she showed up naked with Marilyn Manson to the MTV Awards? Yeah. So like looking back, if you're the person that thought it was a good idea to um, give her a TV show and whatnot. There were some seeds, you know, maybe you could have seen crazy coming. Oh, I think every... Do you know a young actress, hot actress who isn't crazy? Yeah. Really? A lot of them are. No, they're mostly crazy. If they're not crazy when they start out, they're crazy by the time they get through the system. (laughs) It's a fucked up... I mean, there's no doubt it's a fucked up exploitative system, but it is one that you choose... Not only do you choose to be a part of, you desperately want to be a part of. And that's where I lose my sympathy. Like... If you want to go, it's definitely, a, it's definitely filled with guys who are definitely trying to fuck you all the time. And if you want to be part of that system, then that's sort of, when you clearly don't have to have that job, that's sort of, you've all, you kind of sign up for that crap. It's like signing up for the military and going to Iraq and then bitching about it. Well, what job could you have as a young hot chick where everyone's not trying to fuck you? Well, I think if you work in, let's say, mid level marketing like a lot of attractive women do in Hollywood, probably a much safer, much safer environment. Yeah. All right, what has my panties on a bunch this week? I'm glad you asked, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Our final segment today. Uh, Matt, I know you are a victim of the gender pay gap, largely because people cannot identify your gender. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, you get screwed in both directions. The gender pay gap kills me because this is another one of those cases where I, again, I, I, I know you're, you're like a half-hearted feminist. I'm a full feminist, Matt. I do think women get taken advantage of versus men in a lot of situations. Like say every Jiffy Loop, every Jiffy Loop filter change ever, mm-hmm. oil change ever. I do believe the Jiffy Loop people are trying to charge them double on every mechanical problem they have. So there's no doubt. And again, you can say, well, that's just laissez-faire capitalism, which it is. And that if you know you have a dumb buyer, then the seller is going to take advantage of you. But I do think women in general negotiate have less. They're less aggressive, less ambitious, less willing to be complete assholes. They're less alpha male, obviously. And those people who are ambitious alpha male assholes tend to do better financially in life. Right. Because they don't give a shit about their reputation. They don't care if they have friends. They don't care if people like them. They want money or things or power or whatever. And they will do whatever it takes to get it. Like Harvey Weinstein did not give a shit that nobody liked. Nobody in this entire world liked him. He liked having money and, and, and fucking young women. Yeah. And power, and power over other women not to say shit about it. That's what he wanted. And there's very, I know a lot of guys like that. I don't really know any women like that. Who would be willing to sell their souls out to fucking get laid? <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be stranger. You would be more surprised, for sure, to hear of a woman doing that. Yeah, like Ellen Pompeo describing how she 
Ellen Pompeo is now the highest paid person on Grey's Anatomy, I think, on television. She, got, she gets $20 million a year. She's been on the show for 15 years. The show obviously makes the, the network like half a billion dollars a year. And she deserves the money for whatever reason. It's a stupid show, but she's the star of it. She dry, brings in millions of women every week to watch the show. She deserves the money. But her, her, her describing in the magazine recently how hard it was for her to ask for a raise was like torture, dude. It was like she had to go to Shonda Rhimes, the showrunner eventually, who like coached her into how to ask for a raise and to give her confidence over the course of months to ask for the raise. Whereas like, you know, that's not a problem for like Wahlberg. Yeah, interestingly, I feel like, and I've only seen parts of the movie, but The Devil Wears Prada, wasn't um, Meryl Streep playing a character such as that that was very cutthroat yes. and like had no real moral compass, but it was looked at as she was really cool for some reason? It's a, it's a wish fulfillment for women to be like... It's like kind it, of a double standard though, right? Like she was basically Gordon Gecko, but it was looked at as as uh, she was like a, a redeeming character. Because I think people know that's not a real character. There's almost <laughs> no women like that. Right. So whereas Gordon Gecko, everyone on, everyone on Wall Street actually was Gordon Gecko. Right. There was like a thousand Gordon Geckos, real life Gordon Geckos on Wall Street in the 80s. There really aren't almost no women like the Devil Wears Prada character in real life. So it's kind of a, a fantasy. It was a fantasy fulfillment. It was like, oh, if women could do, if women, just like all these movies about women getting drunk and going out and getting laid, like the moms going out and doing wild shit, like on, in, on Mardi Gras. Like the, these, these wish fulfillment movies were like, they go on bachelor parties and they get drunk and steal shit and like. So you think women want to behave horribly like men do? They just. Uh, they won't do it. They can't. They won't, it's a social stigma that women are, are afraid of, which is why they don't fucking yell and scream around the office and demand shit and threaten to fucking beat the crap out of people they don't get whatever they want. <laughs> women don't want... I mean, that's, a, that's what the guy mentioned in the Google thing, which is like the, women want a life outside of work. They want a reputation. They want character. They want a social life. They want all these things outside of just succeeding at work, mm-hmm. which makes their lives rich and deep and, and meaningful, but it doesn't help in terms of advancing in, in, in the industry especially a cutthroat industry like Hollywood, for instance, where you have to be an asshole to get ahead. I was in the music business. I don't know anyone who got ahead who wasn't a huge asshole. Like, they're all short, angry men. <laughs> so, so, like, that's who makes it in music. Because you've got to be willing to have everyone in the entire world hate you. Right. And most women don't want that. Most women... You think about a relationship you have with a girlfriend. If she thinks you're angry at her, you have to talk about it. <laughs> like, she just can't... She doesn't like the fact that you're angry at her. Whereas men just don't give a shit. Like women, I mean, obviously are more compassionate in general, but they also value people more. Uh, like men sort of value things more yes. as a rule, and so when you value people, you don't you don't want to look at yourself as a bad person. Whereas right. someone like Trump uh, does not have that problem. Obviously, now do you think Trump or Weinstein get a text from a woman and go like? Have to write back. What did you mean by that? Did you did you mean something by that? Like, are you angry at me? <laughs> no, no. That thought never crosses her mind ever once. Whereas a woman sees like the whole thing, like oh, you have to put a smiley face at the end of a text to a woman to make her realize that you're not angry at her because right. that's her first instinct. Uh, so the gender pay gap, I don't know in other industries, and I know there are women who are taking advantage of in many industries. For instance, the Hollywood women have lined up with the female Hispanic farm workers of America. I'm guessing the female Hispanic farm workers of America are actually fucking brutal, <laughs> brutalized in many ways. Like, they probably do get paid less than men just because people can fuck them over more. And they probably do get sexually harassed at the office, at the, out in the field all day long. And they probably do get sexually assaulted. And they are probably are treated like shit because they, people know they can get away with treating these women like shit. Yeah. That has nothing to do with rich Hollywood ladies and the gender pay gap in Hollywood. 
which is entirely made up. And here's the best example of this. So Jumanji came out, the remake of Jumanji. It wasn't even a remake. It was a... Well, what the fuck was it? They just took the title and sort of the idea uh, of the game. It's not a remake? It's a, it, is a, they, it is a completely different Jumanji. Like, it's not a sequel. So I guess what you call a reboot. It's uh, a reboot. Reboot, right, right. It's a reboot where they put The Rock and Kevin Hart, two of the highest grossing actors in Hollywood, into the movie, and Jack Black, too, and some chick you've never heard of, who <laughs> complained about having to wear, like, a revealing outfit in the movie, into a, a Jumanji, a title everyone's heard of, and it's nearing $100 billion now at international, uh, worldwide box office. $100 billion? No, excuse me. A billion dollars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But it's, it's Sony's third biggest movie ever in the history of Sony. And it's an okay movie, but it has a rock in it. And it, people lo- fucking love The Rock. People I, who go to I movies love, love the, rock. the Rock. I love The Rock. I know you do. And by the way, just for, the, just for gender equality, The Rock's topless in every movie he does. <laughs> he, is, he is showing more skin in movies than most women do. So he and Wahlberg are going to be topless in every single movie they do. There's just no, and, and, and whoever else, whatever hot male actor, they're all topless now. If not, James Franco is naked in every movie he does. I uh, think that's just for his own. I don't think yeah, anyone's probably. asking for that. No, but The Rock has to show his abs off and his muscles off in every movie. There's a sexual, there's a sexual objectification quality to all of it. But his movie, so he and Wahlberg are the two highest paid actors in Hollywood. They both made $60 million last year from movie, movie uh, fees, not to mention what they get in Upside. And the reason is because, despite the fact that neither of them can act their way out of a fucking anything, Wahlberg is the worst actor ever in Hollywood. He can only play dumb guy from Boston. He does very well. I don't get it. He can play himself. <laughs> and The Rock can only do that thing where he like, does that smirk at the camera, and you love him for this little smirk. The Rock has a lot of charisma, though. He has charisma. Wahlberg but he has this beady-eyed fucking... Uh, white trash thing going on it's a weird he's a south boston guy and he can only play south boston dumb guy he does that really well he's made like three or four movies where he's a dumb guy from south boston and he does that really well because he's playing himself (laughs) the rock does that thing where he's just wwe charming yeah and he's the same charming guy in every single movie where he's like the biggest toughest guy in the room but he's also like emasculate he's also like sensitive in some way yeah and then he smiles at the camera because he has some flaw like some weakness for something And and he always gets like put in a situation where he's out having to strip for some scene or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right, right. But they both make the $30 million a film, and whereas women, the top leading actresses, make like 5 or $10 million a film, or Jennifer Lawrence only gets like $8 million for some Bradley Cooper movie she does with David O. Russell, and they're talking about the gender pay gap, and it's because there's this underlying myth that somehow actors are being paid based on their skill <laughs> like they're being based on skill like the critics set the uh yes. the salaries for or the like actors. lee strasberg is like divining like from the dead beyond the dead like <laughs> who has better acting talent like like a meryl streep is a 9.8 and mark Wahlberg's a 1.5 yeah and therefore she should get six times what he gets paid like she should get like for her movie about like the latest movie about women and whatever the post she should get paid 30 million dollars and Wahlberg should make like 800000 for Transformers. Right. There's just no... All these stories, one after another, without any sort of reference to the fact that the reason these guys make more money is because their movies make a shitload more money, and they make the owners of these films a lot of money, and they're being paid based on their, their value to the company, to their net worth, to the bottom line. No one's pretending these guys are actors. So they go, like, why is Michelle Williams making one-fifteenth of what Mark Wahlberg makes on All the Money in the World? She is a much better actor than Mark Wahlberg is. But not a single person in this world buys a ticket to see a Michelle Williams, Michelle Williams movie. Whereas they know they can crunch the fucking numbers and see that Wahlberg's going to, they're going to pay him $20 million, but he's going to add $40 million to the bottom line. So you're saying it's a total meritocracy and there's no element of, well, Jennifer Lawrence uh, could probably 
open this movie and gross as much as The Rock, but we're just not going to give her that opportunity. Correct. It's implied in there there's a cabal of like men in Hollywood who meet like at a strip club somewhere drinking beers and eating steaks. They're just saying, like, okay, let's fuck over the women on this film in terms of paying them less. Yeah. And by the way, like Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg are represented by the same agency. They're both at uh, CAA or UTA, wherever they are. So they're both at the same agency. So they both have cutthroat agents negotiating their deals. Why is Wahlberg getting paid 15 times more than Michelle Williams? Because he's bringing in 15 times more revenue. Because it's, you, think they, you think the films are just giving away money to guys? <laughs> Let's give Wahlberg more money. Let's fuck our Michelle Williams. She's an Academy Award winning actress, but let's fuck her over because she's a lady. It's because if they don't have her, they'll get some other, they'll get some other actress and their film will not be affected financially whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know. Uh, Wahlberg sells tickets in Turkey and fucking Syria and Russia and, and, and Latin America. People go to see him. Yeah, well, Amy Schumer opens movies. Uh, she's, you know, it's like this is an Amy Schumer movie, and we know what she's going to do in the movie, and those movies don't gross a lot of money. I'm sure they're profitable, but, uh, you know, the, if you want to put up the difference for Amy Schumer to uh, get paid as much as The Rock, th- then you got to put up that money. They're not going to do a $200 million Transformers movie where Amy Schumer's a lead. Right, they're just not going to do that. Yeah. So if you want her to get paid that much, you got to raise the money because it's it's not coming from from the revenue. And here's how I know this is all bullshit because in the we talked about before in the music industry, it's a complete reversal. It's almost entirely women at the top of the music industry, talentless as they may be. Some are talented, some are not talented. It doesn't really matter. It's all branding and image and who buys music. Yeah. Who buys music? Young women. Young girls and women buy music. Who goes to the movies? Young guys go to the movies. They are deciding who the blockbusters are. Yeah, and no one's saying that Elliot Smith should make the same amount of money as Madonna. Who's Elliot Smith? He's a singer-songwriter. <laughs> trying to, all it? my references are old. <laughs> he killed Smith. himself. Elliot Smith. Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, I no, trying I mean, to think of an indie, uh, you know. So Madonna is the rock. Iron and Wine right. does not make the same amount of money as Miley Cyrus. No. Why? Because he sells less tickets to his shows. Miley Cyrus is, is, is like Mark Wahlberg, right? She is like, for whatever reason, young women love her shit, and they will pay, and she'll make $100 million a year from concerts and merch and all the other shit because young women 14 year old girls 12 year old girls love Miley Cyrus for a reason young guys want to see The Rock in movies or Mark Wahlberg in movies so they make the most money yeah. it's clearly not if, it was a, if there was a gender pay gap in entertainment then Beyonce would not and Taylor Swift and Madonna and, and Miley Cyrus and all Cardi B and all the others would not be the leading money makers in the industry yeah I mean let's see how Ocean's 8 does Inflation adjusted compared to Ocean's Eleven. Right. I'm guessing really poorly. Like Ghostbusters did. The female Ghostbusters yes. did. It's just, I, I hate the fact that, like, I don't mind the fact that, again, I never mind the fact that people that have a political cause, like the feminists, are going to fudge the truth to get their point across. Yeah. I don't mind that. That's just human nature. It's when the fucking media and the journalists just go along with it and don't challenge any of it. And just, like, headline, the Hollywood Reporter headlines everything, gender pay gap. They just say it. And they talk about women making less, and they'll point out two or three examples as if it's fact, and just say it. And all the trades do it, and the New York Times does it. They all do it. And it's like, this just, it's so dishonest. Yeah. And it, it bothers me because it's like, people could actually learn shit from economics. And just like the smarter, I mean, the people that are like, you think about the people that rose up like in, out of African-American segments who grows up to be, you know, Byron Allen is one of the richest guys in all of Hollywood. And what he figured out was just like how to game the system himself. 
Not how to fucking lie about shit or be dishonest about shit and not learn the business, but learn the business and then fuck it over, right? Yeah. That's what smart people do. And they're like, by inventing this victimization, they're just saying, women, you'll never make as much as men because there's a cabal of guys, a conspiracy out to get you, versus like, here's what you do. Think of an idea that makes a shitload of money, and you will get me, you'll make it, and then get a piece of it, and you'll make a shitload of money. Yeah. Be the Mel Gibson with Passion of the Christ, when no one wants to work with him. Figure out the Christian market. <laughs> And make yourself $200 million off a movie Bridesmaids, something that women are obsessed with. Weddings. Yes. You know, make a movie with really funny people about, about getting married, and that's going to crush, and it did. Or work in music, <laughs> <laughs> where you can make a lot of money. Or work in network TV, where you can make where all the top people are female actresses. Qu- Kaylee Cuoco makes $25 million a year. Ellen Pompeo makes $20 million. You know, Sofia Vergara makes $20 million a year. They're all the highest paid people in, on TV. Because they figured out they figured out how to work the system, so there just can't be an area where there can be plenty of areas where women do better than men. But when there's one area that men do better than women, it needs to be corrected. It's then it's a conspiracy. It's a, a misogynist conspiracy. I think they're taking over. Speaking of misogyny, Brian, you want to p- wish to pimp and promote something this week? Some horrible thing you're doing in men's sports? <laughs> <laughs> men's sports. I'm actually going right from this session to LA Valley College softball to. Uh, PA announced their home game. Oh, that's nice. I, I don't feel I'm being misogynistic, though. Uh, no, that's not misogynistic. You're hanging out with uh, lesbian softball players, dude. That's the least misogynistic. By the go. way, can, I, can you ask the lady softball player something for me? Why the ponytails? <laughs> <laughs> no, one's, no one's buying it. We're not buying it. The ribbons and the ponytails with the ribbons in them? The not, bows. The bows. Not, yeah. buy, not buying that you're a princess. Just not, <laughs> just not buying it. It's just... I, there's some, it's like, it's like yeah, here's the thing. We're going to wear jock straps. And like spandex and be like, you know, 6'1, 240, and throw the ball 70 miles an hour and get dirty. But we're going to put ribbons in our hair and just, just play this pretend game. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, speaking of lesbians, what are you up to? Uh, not, a, not a lot going on at the, at the moment. Um, Low season for you? Yeah, it's a little slow. If anyone wants to pay me a lot of money for anything, just hit me up. Um, MattRalston.net. Uh, you still you still get on Melania. Melania's going to leave Donald soon, I believe. I can't remember what my last uh, point was, but oh, did you have you noticed that there's a you know disaster movies are a huge thing. They do really well. Yes, um, and there's been a disaster movie about every kind of disaster you can possibly think of, except a nuclear meltdown, which is frightening and like happens um but there's never been a movie about that really that i'm aware of china syndrome yeah i haven't researched it so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that was a long think, time ago michael I, douglas i think the, the nuclear industry is uh really pay, oh i see a conspiracy the well, yeah. it was k19 the Wittermaker, but that was on, like a reactor on well, a submarine a, not was really it? like a power plant so okay. yeah I'll, I'll have but to look at the china syndrome because it won the academy award for best picture i believe i think dr strangelove may have uh, that's about nuclear weapons Okay, yeah. I still like your premise. Although, I, I think part of it is like you have countries like France, which are very, you know, egalitarian and green, saying how r- nuclear power is the best power in the world, the cleanest power in the world. So there's like even like legitimately like leftist organizations that are pro nuclear power. This is a half baked idea. I'm not okay. saying I've, uh, <laughs> that I believe it. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about nuclear. I'm sort of worried about nuclear meltdown. Uh, I got nothing going on either. Cast, cast me in Last Man Earth podcast. Rocco's, thank you guys very much. Rocco's. As always, the, the, the dance, the house music in Rocco's is really an elevated thing. This is Lex, Last Man Earth. Talk to you next week.